Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Francois and Shamla. That was amazing. And uh, as uh, Francois said, if you want your marriage to be spicy, then uh, we, you know, do you want to do this marriage course? You'll gain a whole lot more than spiciness, but uh, you can definitely, definitely, uh, you know, that will, I'm sure, be part of it as well. I just want to encourage you that, uh, you know, we've got the Friday course and we've got the Monday course. I, I don't want you to sign up for the Monday course just because Lee and I are facilitating it. The wonderful thing about this course is it's not really about the facilitator. It's about the... Uh, the, about the course itself. Sorry, I'm playing with my mic here. But the um, material has all been put together by Alpha. It's an incredible course, incredible material. I've talked to some people that have gone through it before. It'll actually be, Lee and I are facilitating the Monday night course. So it's actually our first time going through it. And we're going to be participating in it as much as everybody else. And Greg and his wife, Alex, who, again, amazing couple, a couple you can learn so much from and, and just get to know. They'll be facilitating it on Friday night. And so whichever night is more convenient for you, I really want I want to encourage you to take part in this marriage course. Uh, sorry to the sound guys, this mic is really messing around here. Let me try that again. Uh, is this good? It just will not stay on my ear today for some reason. Okay, well, here we go. I, uh, I'm excited. It's 2021. It's a year of hope, a year of anticipation. You know, 2020, we had no idea what we were going into as we were and what we were going to experience through that year when we were at the beginning of 2020. And as we start off the year 2021, while we don't know how everything is going to turn out, we do know that we're looking forward with hope. We're looking forward at things and saying, okay, we're still in the middle of this pandemic, but we do now have a vaccine. We do now uh, ha see that there's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. And I want to start off by just giving you something that you can be looking forward to, giving you a bit of a, a blueprint for the year as we see it at this moment in time. Uh, the first thing is that I want to let you know, we expect that we're probably going to be in this online format probably until at least April of this year. That may be change, you know, but I, I would expect that, that, that the reality is the first three or four months of the year that we are probably going to be restricted to meeting online. And then, you know, we'll be able to start meeting again. One thing that excites me, I don't know if you were part of our outdoor meetings last year, but they were amazing. And I really hope that we're going to be able to go back and do outdoor meetings this, this summer. Us gathering on the lawn here on Faulkner was just an incredible experience for everybody that was there. And it's one that I want to see us replicate again this year. And, uh, you know, then we will be looking forward to the fall and things returning to something that looked more like we experienced before uh, this COVID-19 pandemic. And so while we don't know exactly what the fall would look like, we would expect that we'll be back in regular meetings indoors by that time. And so I want to share that with you just so you have something of a bit of a blueprint, something to be planning for with the year. Now, could that change? Yes, we're not the ones in control of those guidelines, but just as we look forward and look out into the year, those are the things that we kind of anticipate and see. And so as we start off the year, this year, we've got these few months still where we are distant from one another. Uh, right now, we're in a lockdown where we really can't have people in our homes, where we can't be meeting together in life groups. We're still in this online format. And it's this amazing time where we can really take advantage, maybe for the last time for a long time, where we can take advantage of, of just this quiet and this peace 
and being able to really use this time to build our connection and focus on our own intimate relationship with God. And so uh, I was going to title today Intimacy with God, and Kirill was like, no, you've used that title before, so uh, I won't use that title. But the, uh, I want to I focus on, uh, on that as a concept for us. But, you know, we use that word intimacy, and it can mean all kinds of different things to different people. It's a wonderful thing about how we use modern English. We often don't actually understand the true meaning of the words that we're using. So I want to define this for us, because intimacy, it's, it's about having what we say an intimate relationship or in a familiar relationship with God. That type of relationship, one that's developed over the long term. Intimacy doesn't just happen. It's something that is developed. It's something that is built. You know, it's something where uh, we have a very familiar understanding of God and who he is, and we are open and willing to share our lives with him. Now, when we talk about it this way, you know, it's that God can handle our anger. He can handle our fears. He can handle our frustrations. He knows they exist already. And when we have that familiar, intimate relationship with him, we can openly share those things. I mean, we read the Psalms, many of which were written by David. And the Bible describes David as as someone who uh, was after God's heart. God recognizing, you know, that David was after God's heart. He was after that intimate relationship with God. Now, we know that that David was completely imperfect. I mean, we see murder. We see uh, adultery in his life. There's bloodshed and war. There's all kinds of things in David's life. There's arrogance. There's poor fathering of his children. There's this, you know, in many ways, there's examples in David's life that we would go, those are not examples we want to follow today. You know, particularly the sheer number of wives that David had. I can tell you your spouse does not want you to follow that example, and, and certainly scripture doesn't want you to follow that example. You know, and sorry guys, with that, while there's all these areas of David's life that were imp- David's life that was imperfect, we still see God saying, David's actually after my heart because David wanted intimacy with him. He wanted to be obedient to him, even in his imperfections, even in his faults and his failures, he continued to pursue a relationship with God. When God would send prophets to him to point out to him his faults and failures, he would repent. He would change his ways. When he was blind to his actions, he would turn when he was corrected back to God. But it wasn't just this turning and it wasn't just that, oh, well, he was willing to uh, turn when he was corrected. It was that David sought out constantly an intimate relationship with God. He truly saw God and, and understood that God wasn't interested in the sacrificial system that had been set up under the law, but that he, he desired an obedient heart. And David wrote about that in the Psalms. Now, and it's this wonderful thing that God desires that we would know him. And when we talk about obedience, again, this isn't in some military uh, type of obedience, but as a, as a child would obey their father because they know what their father or mother has for them is good. That intimacy, that obedience comes out of a understanding of God's love for us, an understanding that he has what's best for us and that his plans and purposes for our lives are far much greater than what the world can offer to us or what the things we can come up with on our own. But for us to have this familiar relationship with God, 
You know, there's got to be a willingness on our part to really know, as Scripture describes, you know, the depth and the width and the height of God's love for us. Because it really is. I mean, often when we talk in, in, about intimacy, we talk about it from a standpoint of intimate relationship. Often even in sexual terms, a sexual relationship is an intimate relationship as being really known. And now we're not talking in those terms when we're talking with God, uh, particularly, but we are, we're talking in the intimacy on an emotional level, on a trust level, on a, on a truly knowing God for who God is. And when we understand that God is good, when we understand that God is love in towards us, that God created love, then we can see and know him as one who really does have what's best for us. We can then safely lay down our ambitions. We can safely lay down our dreams. We can safely lay down our goals to him and say, Father, this is, these are the things that I've been thinking. These are what I've wanted for my life. But what do you want? What is your guidance for me? You know, I've, I've tried to do things in my own strength, in my own way. But Jesus, you tell me that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So what is it that you, that you, how is it you want me to live? How do I take what you've put in my hands or what I have in my hands at this moment in time and use it effectively? You know, I, I've just gone through this interesting season in our lives. You know, we've moved uh, in December within our own complex from one house to another. And there's, it's, there's been this dramatic change that's taken place in our lives, not just because we moved. But in my own journey, in my own journey of intimacy with God over this season, I kind of hit this point, you know, in the middle of, of last year's pandemic, at the end of the summer in, in August, where I found myself not experiencing the light and easy yoke of Jesus, but actually feeling anxious, feeling burned out, feeling stressed, and having to ask myself why. You know, what is it? What is it causing me to feel those things? Jesus says his yoke is easy, his burden is light. So this can't be Jesus. If I'm feeling these different things, it's got to be something more than that. It's, it's got to be something outside of God. And I had to really, over a season, examine my beliefs and ask myself, what is it that I'm believing? What am I believing about God? What am I believing about me? And start going through a process of really looking at what it is that I believe and why I do what I do. You know, what is it that I, what are my expectations? And some, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Paul, in Scotland, in Dundee. And, and he was, we were just chatting uh, yesterday, actually. And I was saying to him, it was almost like a little midlife crisis moment for me, you know, where it's like, I'm like, I've started asking myself going, what have I built with my life? You know, oh my goodness, you know, where are my finances at? What's my future going to look like? Or, you know, all, all these worries that suddenly just started piling in on me. And none of that was from God. All of that was actually me forgetting how good my father in heaven is trying to take matters into my own hands and going, I've got to come up with a plan, you know, because if, if, if I look at my future, I'm scared. If I look at this, I'm scared because in those moments, I, I simply frankly forgot the goodness of God simply for, frankly forgot his promises. And, and maybe while I could intellectually uh, agree with them or could recite them or look at them in scripture, I, I started to forget actually just how much he loved me and, and how much bigger he was 
than my circumstances, than the things that I looked at in my life, and that he'd called me to follow him and I really could trust him. He really is good. And you know, as I've, I've tr- gone through this process over these few months, and I'm still in this process, it's been this wonderful continuing and growing revelation that I really can trust God, that I really don't have to try to conform to the patterns of this world, but that I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind, and then I'll really know God's true and perfect will. And that transformation comes as I'm willing to surrender all of myself to him. To allow him into every fear, every anger, to be honest with him about the things that, that are going on in my life and to allow him into those different areas, those areas that sometimes we like to wall off and hide and the worries and anxieties or the, 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 maybe the areas of sin in our life that we're, we're coping, trying to cope with or struggle with that we, oh, we don't really want to let God into. And yet he wants to come into them because he wants to bring his wholeness and his healing into every area of our lives. He wants to carry our burdens with us. So not so that, uh, not just to carry them, but to alleviate them from us. And that promise is for every single one of us as followers of Jesus. It's why that, you know, Jesus could say the things that he did and live the way that he did. It's why Paul could talk about the fact that whether he was rich or poor, whether he was hungry or well fed, that he, the thing that he realized that it was Christ that sustained him through them, through them all. And that he could have joy and peace through each one of those circumstances because he knew his faith was in Jesus. It wasn't in anything else. And, his, and he knew that his strength and his sustenance, everything that he had, it came from God himself. You only can truly understand that and live that when you have intimacy with God. When we really know God for who he is. So at one of, in my conversation with my friend Paul, we were talking about that as well. Is that really the first step for all of us is that truly knowing God. Because if we don't know him, if we don't understand his character, if we don't really know who he is and how incredible his love for us is, then it becomes very difficult to live out the rest of Christianity. We can go through the motions, we can say the right words, we can you know, try to put the right disciplines in place, but if we're not convinced of God's love for us, if we're not truly convinced of God's character and he, that he is who he says he is, then there always are these underlying fears or even worse, there's just us performing, trying to earn God's favor and you know, trying to get things from God, not realizing like the older brother in the story of the, of the um, you know, prodigal son that, that everything is ours already. Yeah. So starting out this year, 2021, I talked about us doing a 21 day period where we build intimacy with God. Now for me, it's, it's, I'm doing it like a reset. I want to reset myself physically. I want to reset myself spiritually. And so, you know, I am going to be doing a period of fasting for these 21 days. I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, just really setting more time aside for prayer and, and getting to know God and putting some habits into my life and building habits that I want to sustain not only through this pandemic, but for the rest of my life. 
So they, there's a saying about 21 days to build a habit. The truth is, according to research, is that it's probably actually about 254 days to really solidify a habit in your life. But 21 days is a really great start for, for us. And, you know, it's, it, it's a time going, okay, we're going to be intentional for these 21 days to put something in place that we're going to be able to carry on moving forward. Now, I very much felt not to be prescriptive about this. I haven't said we're going to all fast together because this isn't about a group exercise. It's about you building intimacy with God and you doing things. You, you intentionally using this time starting tomorrow for these next 21 days to be very intentional about building intimacy with God. That could look like fasting that could look like adding prayer. It could make, you know, ensuring you have a quiet time in the morning or the evening or at a different time of the day. It could be focusing on certain areas of scripture. It could be focusing on Psalms. It could be reading through a devotional. There's, there's all kinds of different things or combination of things that you can do. And so I just want you to do what you feel the Holy Spirit leading you to do. Now, we're in this period. There's a few new things we're going to start doing as well. There's going to be some new videos that we're going to be releasing and things, um, uh, podcasts that I'm going to start releasing. But all those are, are not just for 21 days. Those are things that we want to be moving forward as a, as a community and just things that God's been putting on my heart for, to be doing and to be adding to just the teaching that we put out as a community. As I started telling the story a couple of minutes ago about this move. So it's very interesting. When we moved into our house, we live on Falconer Drive. When we moved in there 13 years ago, we moved in with the attitude that we were going to be there for a year. 13 years later, we still find ourselves there. But, you know, the interesting thing is the entire time that I've lived there, I've lived there with a, a temporary mindset of a t- mindset of we're going to, you know, move somewhere else. And it was just a mindset we moved in with and a mindset that we kept. And so it affected everything of how we lived. It affected the degree. I mean, my wife does a beautiful job in decorating our home and, and makes it look really nice. But there's, there were always things that we didn't do because, well, we might move. We might do this or we might do that. And when we made this move, I'll be honest, it created a significant amount of confusion and anxiety because it was the, uh, there was an aspect of us that was like, we want to move somewhere else. In other words, like a different place. I think probably my ideal would be moving into a more rural setting. Not that I'm leaving Lifehouse, but you know, a little farther, a little farther out or have a bigger yard. You know, my kids would love that. Um, you know, that would have, that would have been my plan. That would have been my plan of, of something along those lines. But then when we've made this move, the thing that we really strongly felt, you know, even with the anxiety and things around it, is that we were to move into this new home and live there like we were going to live there forever, but then be able to let it go whenever God asked us to let it go. And so with this house, we have invested in it and setting it up like it's a permanent home. We don't know if we'll be there a year. We don't know if we'll be there for the rest of our lives. But we're choosing to go and dwell in it like it's a place of permanence. And the difference that it's made has been incredible. You know, because it's allowed just just a different level of peace, a different level of investment, a different level of, of, I've already used peace, but I'm going to say peace especially in, in my own life, and just a different attitude in what it is that we do. 
so, and this, I'm sorry if I'm very distracting with this microphone. The, I share that story with you because that mindset in itself has brought peace into our lives. But there's also been this, this, I guess, internal work that I've been doing in this season. And just simply, you know, challenging some of the thoughts and beliefs that maybe I've held, becoming more aware of some of the fears and anxieties that I've had, and, and truly believing that regardless of what happens, that God's got this. That regardless of, you know, that I can make decisions, understanding that I have a Father in heaven that loves me and is going to help me and guide me in each one of the decisions and help me through any circumstance that we find ourselves in. So we moved into this new house, and let me tell you, I say, I call it a new house. I mean, these units are about 35 years old, but before we moved into it, it was totally renovated, brand new floors put in, new carpets put in, fresh paint job, looked beautiful, really nice. And then three weeks into us living there, just a few days before Christmas, our dishwasher broke and for six hours poured water all over our home. You know, all over the new floors, down into the basement. We had lots of our stuff destroyed. We've, you know, there's lots of things that are, are, are a mess in the house. And, you know, I woke up that morning, came downstairs, stepped into the water. And I can tell you, if it had been six months before, probably even three or four months before, I would have freaked out. I would have emotionally, you know, probably would have been angry, a wide range of emotions that I would have gone through. None of them would have displayed being in a place of joy and peace. But I stepped into that water and I'm like, well, Lord, I have insurance. The co-op has insurance and you're going to sort this out. You'll give me, you know, I need to stay in a place of peace. I need to stay in a place with you. And regardless of, of the circumstances here, you're going to sort this out. And, and I share this because my, my wife, Lee, she still actually like remarks, I'm going, I'm, I, I keep expecting that you're going to be, you know, just one of these days, just lose it and be like, really uptight and uh, upset about all of this. And you really haven't. And I share this personal story because it's what happens when in our lives, when we start allowing God into every area and there is a peace and a joy and a true fruit to the spirit that begin when we really trust him intimately and know him intimately in every way. I want to remind you of what it talks about of the fruits of the spirit in Galatians and, uh, it talks in Galatians 5 that the fruits of the Spirit, so the fruits of us living in relationship with Jesus, when it's talking about the fruits of the Spirit, it's like, hey, if the Holy Spirit's present in your life, if you're actually living guided by the Spirit of God, then this is what your life will look like. It, you will, your, your constant, your, your state will always be a state of love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, the message version of the Bible puts a little bit more of an uh, explanation about what these things mean. So I'm going to read those. So when it talks about love, it says that we, we would have, be just in a place where we always have affection for others. That we joy, that we would have exuberance about life. Exuberance about life. 
You know, how, how often do we not live in a place of exuberance about life? You know? Peace, that we'd be in a place of serenity, that we would have patience, which is a willingness to stick with things. And it's a quality that so often is, is not there. Kindness, which is a sense of compassion of the heart. Goodness, which is a conviction that basic holiness permeates all things and people. Faithfulness, that we'd be involved in loyal commitments to one another. Gentleness, that we would not need to force our way in life. And self-control, that we'd be able to marshal or harness or direct our energies wisely. This is what comes when we truly have an intimate relationship with Jesus and he's really permeating every aspect of our lives. It's interesting because I've been reading some different material and one of the difficulties of Christianity today, we live in a post-Christian culture. And for many Christians, you know, they're like, oh, well, they'll, they'll comment like, well, we're being persecuted because, uh, you know, the, the culture's against us or the world's against us and, and they're persecuting us in different things. But in the West, I mean, there's a lot of countries around the world where people are truly persecuted for following Jesus, where they're being killed, where they're being, where they're being imprisoned simply because of their faith in Jesus. But, but here in Canada, here in, in the West, actually we're probably being persecuted more often because we don't actually follow Jesus, but we say we do that these qualities of our life don't actually exist. And we're more interested in our rights. We're more interested in, you know, what's the government doing to us and why did they're not letting us meet as a church? And why do we have to wear a mask, you know, during this pandemic or you name it, we wanting to change laws and force people to behave in certain ways. And, and as opposed to us living like these fruits of the spirit that I just described living in a place of intimacy with God, where we recognize just how good he is in our lives and that we truly live the way Jesus taught us to live. Truly live that way. You know, we can't do it. We do not have the ability in our own strength. And I can tell you from leading a church and pastoring and trying to do these things in my own strength, we can't live in a place of love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Unless we're totally surrendered to God. It's the only way. You know, we, we don't do those in our... We, we can't live at peace and also be anxious. We can't live at peace and be in a place of joy and exuberance and be afraid about our futures. We can't be working ourselves to the bone and, and experiencing the abundant life that God has for each and every one of us. We can't be pursuing the things of the world and expecting the results of the kingdom. Our, our life has to be surrendered to the king, the good king. The Sermon on the Mount that we see in Scripture as followers of Jesus needs to be something that we look at and go, that is the blueprint for my life. Not something that's unattainable. Not something that we can't live, but actually something that we go, without Jesus, I could never live this. But because of Jesus, he's helping me live this day by day. And maybe you find yourself not there. 
Maybe in your walk with God at this moment in time, you're like, hey, that's not me. And I don't hear this message in any condemning way. But just like David, may it be a call to repentance, to changing our way of thinking, to changing our way of being and saying, Lord, I need to actually get a deeper understanding of your love for me and how it is that I can actually live these things out. Because these things are not an act of self-will. You know, you're not going to will. It's not about your willpower and your ability and your strength. And I've just got to harness my willpower and then I can do this. You'll never do it. It's, it's got to be that our, our thinking changes, our mindset changes, and that we, we understand you know, God's love for us. We understand how he and his kingdom works so that we can live that out in a place of love, joy, and peace. We can have the fruits of the Spirit in every area of our lives simply because our life is completely in his hands, that we truly are following Jesus and that we are a light to the world because our life reflects that to the world. Our light is that people see how we live and how we are and go, it's actually possible that God is real. And I see that because of the change that he's made in James's life is the change that he's made in your life. And so as we go into 2021, let's not focus on what we don't have. Let's not focus on what we're missing at this moment in time, but let's focus on what we do have. And that is a God that loves us, that we have a father in heaven that cares for us greatly. We have, we have Jesus who died on the cross for us and set us free from sin and death. We have the Holy Spirit who is our comforter and our teacher. And let's focus on truly knowing him in these first few months while we're separated from one another so that when we come back together again, when we can meet together again, when we can be in each other's homes again, that we are able to truly reflect these fruits of the spirit into each other's lives and we can be a beacon of light and hope to all those around us. So I'm excited for this new season. I want to live it with joy and exuberance and in a place of family and love. And I'm really looking forward to being on this journey with you. So it's, thank you for joining, for tuning in, for watching this morning. It's uh, just an honor to be able to share with you. And I will hand it back over to Francois. Thank you, James. That's so good, James. Thank you so much. Yeah, just like James said, we just want to thank everyone for tuning in. And I uh, just want to leave you with a, with a, I'm a fan of quotes and things. Um, you know, as James was sharing, I was just thinking about, you know, intimacy. And it's not about us. It's all about Jesus, right? And so as we put our focus on him, it becomes less of us and more of him right? So one thing I want to leave you as an afterthought is if you want to experience something that you've never experienced before, you should be willing to do something that you've never done before. So if you've never fasted before, never set aside some time specifically to have intimacy with God, I want to really encourage us to do that. If you've never tithed before, do it. You know, you will only reap the benefits and the fruits that James described. So Tune in again next week. We'll be looking forward to it. So, yeah, that's it.